What is up everyone? Today we are talking about a topic that is near and dear to our hearts because we have all suffered it. Tendinopathy, what it is, what it isn't, and what you need to know about it. And if you want to know something really funny, Phil has actually intentionally given himself tendinopathy so that he could understand it better as a physio. Stick around. What's up everybody? I'm Yanni Bormeister. To my left is the forever gorgeous Phil White. Across the table is my brother Rad. (laughs) And the voice of God, as always, is Richard. We are Gym. What's that? So what's going on, guys? Oh. It's just the voice of God, mate. Oh, mate. <laughs> Don't you recognize God? When we it's are Unity Gym and the, uh, the, the, the gym that turns driven people into strong, flexible, athletic humans. If you want to know how we do it, grab one of our blueprints. We've got lots of them for strength, flexibility, and nutrition. They're available what on the website. What is the blueprint, Yanni? What's that? What's the blueprint? What's the blueprint? Yeah. The blueprints are the 10 biggest insights, lessons, Secrets, whatever you want to t- call them, they're really the ten key, the, the most, um, I guess, profound things that we've learnt along the last sort of accumulative fifty years of training between myself, Rad, and Richard, and uh, we update them annually. And if we learn well, not something for a new, while, because the truth is, when we originally went online, you know, with doing all of this online stuff and, and we had to give things out that were valuable to people for free so that, you know, we could start growing some interest in what we do and people would start to see us. Um, you know, we created this flexibility blueprint and after I created it and put a lot of work and energy into it, Yanni looked at it and went, I wouldn't find that very valuable if I got it. <laughs> and I went, right, okay. And Yanni was like, no, we got to we got to give someone something that if they look at it, because my first flexibility blueprint was like, here's six stretches you can do to, you know, for blah, 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 blah. And Yanni was like, that's not very valuable. Anyone can do those stretches. And so we spent a lot of time sitting down, really thinking about what are the 10 things that really gave us breakthroughs in our flexibility over the last five years. So it is very valuable stuff. It really is. It's not a, um, it's not a program at all. It's, it's the, it's the lessons lessons that we learned that changed everything for us. Because I knew all the stretches in in the world and I didn't get flexible. But when I learned these 10 lessons. Yeah, the 10 principles, but it's, we've done one for stretching, uh, for flexibility. So there's the flexibility blueprint. There's the strength blueprint, which is the 10 biggest lessons we've learned on how to get strong and principles, things like the concept or the principle of progressive overload, the principle of program periodization, the principle of super compensation. Uh, and then we've also done one for nutrition. Yeah. And, yeah, I just thought it'd be worth yeah, pointing it's out because it's something we point. say on, uh, we say kind of automatically these days, but if, yeah, if you've been listening to us for a while and you haven't actually um, downloaded them, it's good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Now, before we go any further, I want to get the question of the day out and because uh, it's very important today. I want to know if anyone watching on the live stream has, or listening to the podcast, you can comment in and we'll give you some feedback, has ever had tendinopathy and where in the body? Because tendinopathy is different to an acute injury and we're going to talk about why uh, today and we're going to talk about how the two sort of uh, um, uh, rehab strategies differ, which is really important because if you kind of muck this up, um, you can... Uh, you can make the tendinopathy worse. And where this came about, the reason why I was so eager to do this topic specifically today, to steer the conversation to this specifically, was because I read a new member of the Movement Mastermind, Adam Chappell, who listens to the podcast every morning on the way to work, 
Uh, he introduced himself um, earlier this week. He said, hello everyone, first post, signed up and looking forward to getting started on the foundations program, working my way back from some quite bad back pain and the increase in inactivity seems to have brought on a bout of elbow slash forearm tendonitis, tendinopathy. We'll get to that in a second. What are people's thoughts or experiences for the upper body work? Uh, now, this is like the reason why I'm so eager and I'm chomping at the bit and I'm sure Phil is too and Rad and Richie because we've all had forearm tendinopathy uh, is that he's framed it so well for us to open a discussion on how this may have happened. The key to his comment here is that he has had an increase in inactivity, which seems to have brought on a bout of elbow slash forearm tendinopathy. I'm not going to say tendinitis again because tendinopathy has replaced the term tendinitis. Phil can just quickly explain that. Yanni, yanni. Love that. Um, yeah, basically it's a, an outdated term, itis. Whenever you see itis in anything, um, it is always talking about in, um, an inflammatory process. And so with the actual pathophysiology of tendinopathy, so what's happening? Why is the voice of God laughing? What's up? I'm sorry, guys. I just, if you watch the screen in a second, I've just goofed with the, um, the question of the day, but I'll fix it. I'll fix it. <laughs> God makes mistakes. Did you hear that, everybody? <laughs> yeah, so with the pathophysiology, so what's actually going on in the body that is causing a tendinopathy, it's... Yeah. <laughs> wow, Richard wants to be front and center with the video. For those watching How did you do that? How did you replace know. his photo? <laughs> He's basically just replaced God, all of us with, on, with himself. I, I put You're asking like God me. how he does anything. Like <laughs> oh, he put it as his comment. I yeah. see. Ask God how he parted the oceans, maybe. Yeah, love it. It. <laughs> okay. So the pathophysiology um, of tendinopathy is, is, yeah, not so much an inflammatory process, but rather a total cascade of like tissue remodeling. So the inflammatory pro part of it is not the main thing. It's something totally different. So long story short, stop calling it tendinitis. Yeah. Long story short, <laughs> stop calling it tendonitis. It's just tendinopathy. Now, I made that mistake a long time. And the reason why that does really inform how you change it is if you think of inflammatory process, people think, oh, I just need some anti-inflammatories and I need to ice it and that will do nothing for you. Yeah. So it's really... Yeah. For, for tendinopathy, that will do absolutely nothing. Yeah. And for most things, it will do nothing because <laughs> we now know that the inflammatory process is a very important part of the healing process. Peace and love. We don't want to. Um, we don't want to stifle the inflammatory process. We want to let it sort of take its place. Okay, so now I'd like to talk about why it's so profound that Mr. Adam Chappell has um, used the words, the increase in inactivity seems to have brought on about of forearm tendinopathy. Because this, in my opinion, is key to our discussion today. Mm. When we treat tendinopathy, we must not rest it. Must not rest. Must not rest it. We, it what, what tends to happen is, and I'll share my experience because I've had it a, a, a number of times, probably half a dozen times, and uh, in the forearms, either the medial or lateral epicondyle, which is either the inside or the outside of the forearm or, or elbow. Golfers or tennis elbow. Golfers elbow. or tennis elbow is what, what it's colloquially termed. Um, I have often been told, okay, you need to rest, you need to recover and rice it, you know, rest, ice, elevation, compression. And uh, it's always come back stronger when I reintroduce myself to weightlifting. Or do these ones? 
Yeah, <laughs> the floppy arms. Yeah, yeah that, was, that was another. <laughs> that was another thing that people su- suggested yeah. would work. Uh, for those of you on the podcast, Phil was just waving his arms around in the air. Which so legitimately, so, was like a thing that you know everyone in the gym was doing for a while, trying to get rid of it. So, yeah. yeah, and Rad, when you first had tendinopathy, were you was it suggested to you to rest and take time off? Um, no, it wasn't. It, God, it's a long time ago now. No, because I, I worked with Phil from early on, so I got the I got the right advice. But my biggest problem was that I didn't understand it at all. And tendinopathy was like I hadn't had injuries for a long time, except for my fractures, except for the injuries in my spine. And when I got tendinopathy, I just thought that it was a you know I've just got to keep going, you know, and I can't be soft. I got to push through it. And uh, that was my real introduction to uh, intelligent injury management. But the fact that I just did everything, well, not everything wrong. I did keep training, but man, I just kept training at the highest intensity and doing the yeah, things that the, kept the making it worse and worse. The load wasn't managed based on the weakest link. And yeah. we'll talk about that in a sec. But uh, I want to steer the conversation to Phil so we can just quickly explain why it's so critical that we don't rest tendinopathy and then we'll go into the actual um, physiology around it what's happening with the um, you know the collagens and the protein and what's breaking down in the muscle and why it's sort of different to an acute injury all right it's time for everyone's favorite analogy again the bucket and the tap (laughs) Um, so this is yeah the kind of idea of capacity and load so again just we talked about the other day um, with every structure in the body now we're going to talk specifically about tendons we'll have a certain amount of each of capacity and that will have been predetermined by how much uh you know your body has developed over time and what activities you've done before and so that'll be how big your bucket is now the load you put through the tendon is going to be again that tap so if we're filling up the bucket and it's staying within the bucket our tendon will be happy we'll be able to manage it if we slowly kind of overflow it the bucket will adapt and become bigger and stronger and deal with it better now there are certain things that will um really turn on the tap in a big way and um, that's going to be when you're doing uh, like basically like bouncing sort of activity so um, when you're using the uh, actual stretching elastic sort of properties of a tendon so it's really common in Achilles tendinopathy (laughs) is if you suddenly start running a lot and you're you haven't been used to that sort of bouncing load before and now you're adding a lot of that in Uh, compressive load is often um, very much going to turn up the tap um, and then just general like how much total sort of intensity and strength you're putting through it as well and so all of those factors will um i guess turn that tap up in a big way so if your bucket's sort of at a certain level and your tendons are kind of managing with like a certain level of activity and then you have (coughs) an abusive load which is going to be where instead of just like slightly overfilling the bucket you've now turned the um the hose on it's probably a really common thing for people who maybe uh, have just got into running for the first time, they maybe haven't got running shoes, so they use a um, uh, like really flat solid shoe, which is just generally a bit more intense than the Achilles, um, and maybe you're a bit overweight, so you now you've got more total load going through your Achilles, and um, that abusive load will set off a cascade of things in the tendon, I won't get too technical, um, but basically the um, the tendon structure itself starts to go like, wee-oo, 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 something's going on here. So let's like try and give it lots of um, different fibers that will make it stronger. But what it ends up doing is kind of creating like a ineffective load transfer structure in the tendon. Um, and then if that kind of gets chronically overloaded, you can actually start to then really change the makeup of the tendon, get little 
like you actually kind of get holes in your tendon which then get um, more tissue around it which is why you see people who have a really bad Achilles tendinopathy often get really thick tendons um, which is cool because your body's trying to like you know give it enough tissue that it can um, maintain um, strength so you if you have it really badly for a long time it will stay fat but that's an adaptation to try and deal with it so basically it's this whole thing where it's it's like your body is trying to heal itself but it in doing so it sort of doesn't do it in a neat sort of way and you have a less effective um, tendon and that causes pain yeah and then if you rest it so that's where you're getting to with the um you know why the um increase in inactivity is basically resting it doesn't give your body the stimulus that we need to put down the right sort of fibers and whenever fibers are laid down they need a certain amount of tension to align properly and become really effective load transferring tissue so when you rest it basically it's now you're totally underloading you've, you've switched off the tap entirely and now your bucket is rapidly shrinking and you've got like an ineffective actual tissue structure so then you think like okay it's just like a acute injury i'll just take a couple of weeks off get back into what you're used to doing and then suddenly pain extreme pain and often a lot of pain then the next day yeah and it usually in my experience when you do that when you go through that process it, it comes back worse mm. when you come back to the gym it actually feels worse and it's so frustrating because you think okay i've just taken two weeks off that's a real head you know um uh i was gonna swear but i pulled myself back nice. it's, a, it's a hard thing to get Might over i have to press the explicit button yeah, today on the podcast right. it's, a it's a hard <laughs> well, thing it's a hard, <laughs> <laughs> it's a hard thing to get over uh when you when you've got big goals and you're making really good progress and then you all of a sudden start to get this this pretty intense pain in your forearms for me it was forearms and I've had it in my shoulders as well, in my rotator cuff. And then, yeah, you go, okay, I'll take two weeks off. And that's like really ego crushing. And you come back in and you pick up weights and start to warm up. And you're like, hang on a minute. It's, a, it's worse than it was before. It yeah. used to and, only and kick and in at like 10 kilos. Now it kicks in at five kilos. And know? hopefully from what I've just explained there with the tissue kind of like needing stimulus to remodel. And then you've just like pulled the rug out of it. And suddenly it's got all this extra kind of like... You know, it's like you're trying to build a wall and you've sort of got all the stuff laying there, but you haven't actually given it the load to, to build up the structure again. And then you're trying to, you know, put a roof on that wall. Like it's it's so important that you, you get this right. Like you've got to give it give it something. So when j j very quickly before we go into detail about how to fix it, uh, let's just quickly talk about our experiences with tendinopathy. Maybe we can share so people can kind of relate. My, my experience... Uh, very quickly was very classic the first time I was working out uh, in the gym four days a week doing sort of some form of strength training and I was boxing uh, every day six days a week in the evenings and then I decided uh, that it was a really good idea to take up golf my friends all started playing golf and I am very competitive and I thought wow I'm getting old and and maybe I should start learning how to play golf because when I'm an old person I don't want to get my ass kicked by all my mates so I started playing golf and I enjoyed it uh, going out with the boys the banter you know and then I started playing golf twice a week on the weekend in the time that I was usually recovering and uh, and like any new sport if you're a little bit competitive you go all in in the beginning to try and level up quickly and yeah after about two or three weeks of playing golf twice once on saturday once on sunday 18 holes i got the most severe ten golfer's elbow and forearm tendinopathy and uh it um yeah and I, back then i had no idea how to how to fix it and i didn't back down on my weekly training at all during the gym i stopped playing golf 
but I kept going to the gym and lifting weight and it just progressively got to a point where I couldn't even pick a weight up. Like it was just so painful. I couldn't even steer a steering wheel in my car. It was so painful. So that was my experience. How did you get tendinopathy the first time, Rad? Uh, working towards a one-arm pull-up. Mm. I, I remember I it clearly. When I started calisthenics training um, five years ago, knowing nothing about it and just saying, yep, I'm gonna do it, and basically just looking at progressions and going, okay, well, here's a progression, and then there's the next progression, and thinking that that was all that was really required for it, and I just started doing the work. Um, and I basically put an abusive load into my forearms that I'd never done before, and it just started to come on, and it was just the most classic tendinopathy symptoms, which is why I kept pulling through it, which is, really hurt at the start, but then I warmed up and then I couldn't feel a thing. And I had no idea what I was dealing with, so I was like, ah, that's painful. And then I'd warm up a bit more and I'd, ah, that's all right now, okay, let's go. Yeah. And then I'd just go for it and do these ridiculous um, workouts, you know, putting all that load on one arm. And um, and then eventually, eventually it got to a point where, um, I just realized I'm too far away from the mic here, aren't I? Eventually I got to the point where um, it was so bad that I, I just couldn't even do one rep. Like I'd, I'd grab. I remember I'd grab onto a pull-up bar with both arms, and I would try to even initiate a pull, and the pain was agonising. And it was that classic example of really developed tendinopathy, where you know anything that involved gripping, like if I'd pick up even a couple of kilos of a shopping bag, would really aggravate it and inflame it. And I got to a point where I was forced to. Um, figure out how to how to deal with it you know and it started by going to Tom and you know I did get relief from you know like a, as in symptomatic relief from the tr soft tissue therapy treatments that he gave me but it was from talking to Phil and understanding what the process to deal with tendinopathy was and what was going on and and understanding you know the process that we now know so well and then we came up with the, with the you know the forearm and elbow rehab program that that we used successfully. And then the worst thing about it was, you know, once the uh, because you know one of the things about golfer's elbow or about about medial or lateral epicondylitis, so golfer's elbow or tennis elbow. You said uh, epicondylitis, which again is more tendonitis. Yeah, really. Okay, fair. Okay, yeah. so let's just call it golfer's elbow and tennis elbow. A, oh, Epicondylalgia. Yeah. yeah okay. I like it. I always learn something new with Phil on the show. <laughs> But the thing is, you can do a certain grip of a certain exercise and not feel the pain at all, but then the other grip will be excruciating. So I started to favor doing pronated grip. And as soon as my golfer's elbow was healed, very quickly after that, I developed Hello, tennis, tennis elbow. elbow. Yep. And <laughs> then that was my problem. And then, you know, so then I went through, the, it's the same healing process, but, but now I knew the process and I fixed it so much quicker. And ever since then, um, it, I haven't felt even uh, the slightest symptom for a long time and I'm putting mm. a big demand on my forearms these days with my training. Like you guys see the amount of upper body training I'm doing and I'm, and I'm doing more weight than I've ever done. And you know, for my personal story, if you want, if you want to get, the, what am I doing now? I'm going back to doing one arm pull-ups but knowing what the prerequisites are. And seeing yeah. Ben Lodge get his uh, one arm pull-up. Yeah, kind yeah of man, I'm very jealous of you, Ben. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, now that I understand, one of the tribe members for those who yeah yeah. Now that I now that I understand the prerequisites for a one arm pull up, 
um, I realized that I didn't have them when I tried them before. And, uh, and, I, and I'm, I'm close to having them. So I'm, I'm about to start that journey again. And what about you, Richie? You got forearm tendinopathy. How did you do it? So I developed mine from um, that, you know, bucket capacity issue that we're talking about. So I was training at the time. Um, this was back like oh, so many years ago when the gym first opened. Um, I, with the gym didn't have enough money to pay me a full-time wage. So I had a second job where I was working at BWS in Crow's Nest, um, packing boxes in the morning, lifting um, bottle boxes uh, and putting it into the cool room. And it was this an insight as to where we came from. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> it was this repetitive um, lifting action with my forearms and my hands that on top of weightlifting as well at the same time, ultimately did it to me. And then um, I didn't really know how to treat it really. I don't think I acted on it quick enough at the time. And I ended up developing it in my left arm as well, not too long after that. And then um, ever since then, it's been sort of like a, a, a struggle of um, healing it and going through sort of rehab processes to, yeah. Mate, that's a that's a really good example of the discussion we had earlier about load management and how you need to look at the big picture, not just what you're doing in the gyms. So often, and thanks for sharing that, because so often it's um, things that you don't think about that are the trigger, the tipping yeah. point. For me, the golf, like I was like so strong and fit at that stage. That was my peak of fitness when I was competing at, in boxing and, and had really big uh, audacious goals of maybe com um, uh, representing Australia at the Commonwealth Games. And uh, I was really, really training hard. And I thought yeah. like, as if golf, is introducing golf is going to be a tipping point for me that t tips me at the, the straw that breaks the camel's back, yeah. you know? And, and yeah, so hopefully it's been really clear, like with each of these examples, it's always when you change something, you add something new that you wouldn't, ex and it's something that you haven't sort of prepared for before. So with golf, what that's actually doing at, and why it is so good at getting that medial elbow pain is because what you're doing is it's actually that those muscles are crossing the elbow joint and they're helping keep the elbow joint together. So it's a shunting um, action, which is um, basically keeping the, the, yeah, the joint together. And so when you're gripping, you're also getting it and you're doing the shunting action and then you hit a ball really hard. It's now a, a, a stretch um, just like the Achilles when, you, when you're when you um, running, running yep. off your toes, yep. it's exactly that same stretching quickly and, and releasing um, part of the tendon that is what the tendons are good at. But if you haven't trained for it, it's the one of the quickest things to overload it and, and cause that issue. So, yep. um, And same with tennis with the backhand. It's that same shunting action, which causes that elastic um, yeah, overload. So. And so, I, sorry. What, 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 when I was in the army in my first, Six months I developed shin splints. What, mm -hmm. what are they? What so, yeah, shin splints is a whole another um, thing that maybe we can talk about. Okay, well, another time. Right. So, yeah, it's, so it's not tendinopathy? No, no, no. no, 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 no. no. Because yeah. I rested for three weeks, no running at all when I went on yeah. leave. I didn't know anything about what to do, and it never came back again with yeah. the shin splints. Well, we'll totally let's talk yeah. about shin splints another time, but yeah. I'd like to finish before we go into the comments here. We've got a couple of minutes, so let's hear Phil's experience <laughs> with forearm tendinopathy. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I love this. This is this is a good one everyone tune in <laughs> yeah because like, i had sort of i've had plantar fascia like plantar heel pain before which is kind of the what used to be called plantar fasciitis so similar process in the um in the foot from generally going from trying to do a bit of barefoot running um or when i've really create like changed my running in a big way in my ultimate frisbee days um but 
yeah, I had it sort of mildly in my forearm, but sort of had generally managed it fairly well. But with golfer's elbow and tennis elbow being the most common thing that I um, end up treating working with the guys here at the gym, but like from the from the clients and it's particularly the online clients, it seems to be something that, yeah, I've been working with people all around the, the world who have golfer's elbow because it's something that just really is so tricky to get your head around and so tricky to get past. Um, and particularly with the ones that guys I've been working with, guys and girls, it's often when just trying to figure out how you incorporate the rehab with their work as well. Because particularly with people being kind of stuck at home, working a lot at the now at a desk where they're sort of, or you know, on a bed or something <laughs> where they're in a really bad position, it's a, a really tricky thing to get past. So. Um, with I've had so many injuries in my life, all sorts of different things, and that's really informed the way that I treat. And so I thought, you know, why not give myself golfer's elbow? <laughs> Much to the uh, d- dismay like, of dis- us, yeah. <laughs> no, don't do it. Don't do don't it. Do it. Yeah. Uh, what was your, your term for Jim Herpes? Once Jim, you, Jim Herpes, once you got forearm tendinopathy, you never really get rid of forearm yeah, tendinopathy. Yeah, so I thought I'd just back myself in with, uh, you know, my understanding of it, and I'd learned, learned a hell of a lot along the way. So I took a bit of... Um, inspiration from one of my clients I was working with in Ireland who decided in lockdown times to just go down to his local park and start doing pull-ups every day. So I started doing supinated pull-ups every day um, on top of um, lots of forearm work. So just like pure flexion at the wrist and extension uh, at the wrist. And sure enough, within like by the end of the week, my uh, (laughs) right forearm was bloody sore. And then I doubled down and did that for the five days a week. I was at the gym for the full month. Uh, and yeah, it hurt. And it, <laughs> all the kind of classic signs, the first couple of reps are just absolute agony. Then you'd kind of get through it once you warmed up. This is very classic tendopathy. So if this sounds familiar, yeah. if it's like really painful at the beginning, warms up, feels all right. Then the next day it's super tender. And then you start just like noticing, you just like knock it on your side or yeah. like on the chair, like, oh, agony. Yeah. Anyway, so develop tendopathy. And then I'm just coming up to the end of another month of Basically, I'm trying to le- like just go back to regular programming because I, it's often with injuries, it's tempting to say like, you know, you get like if you've had an injury and then you do anything and then it just happens to get better on its own. So mm-hmm. I really wanted to kind of control for that. So I'm just going back to my regular training and it's got a whole lot better, like, yep. you know, probably 60% better, but it's still definitely there. And when I start to really load it up, it becomes quite painful. So then for the next month, I want to do exa- um, like a targeted sort of rehab program to then go from that point where, cause I, I think a lot of people can probably relate to that point where it's like, it's just always there. It's that kind of yeah, herpesy yeah. kind of mm. thing. As, as you said, it just sort of sticks around and you're mm. like, oh, it's annoying. It's not holding me back now. So I'm not going to slow down on my training, but it's also really annoying and I wish it wasn't there. So um, yeah, sort of for the next month, going to work on just doing a really targeted rehab program. And the one thing I really want to demonstrate is it's exactly the same exercises that I'm going to be doing as rehab that gave me the injury. Yep. It's nothing fancy. There's no fancy, amazing exercise with, you know, using some fancy equipment that will fix it. It's just getting the balance right. And it's exactly as I was doing, you know, forearm work, which is going to be my rehab exercises. And that gave me the tendinopathy. Like it's, it's so key to understand this point that it's nothing fancy. You just got to sort yourself out, track what you're doing and use the feedback, which is going to be that 24 hour pain. So if you do a workout, you feel it the next morning, it's sore to touch, it's sore in the morning, you've gone too hard. So th- so just hit pause for a second. Pause. We are going to get started. to your comments because yeah. um, because they're really good. There's some really great stuff in there. But um, 
the, there's okay we want to try and summarize it into maybe three to five key points to treating tendinopathy this is what everyone's waited for this is the critical difference between tendinopathy and other injuries first and foremost which we've obviously talked about is that you do not rest tendinopathy unlike an acute injury a fracture or a muscle muscle tear that you have to rest for a period of time to allow the the the, the tissues to re to remodel to join together again the bone to set whatever it is with tendinopathy, you just manage load. And this is the key difference. You need to manage load based on the tendinopathy, based on the weakest tissue. If you try to do your workout based on your goal to do a pull-up still or pull-ups every day, that may be overloading the tissue and making it worse. So you usually have to regress the intensity back and often the volume to a point where you stimulate the, t the, the tendon that's damaged that has the tendinopathy uh, sufficiently to, to, to remodel it to a good tissue again, to a good competition of, uh, composition of tissue again. Um, and you, and, and there is a little bit of trial and error there. Yeah, know? definitely. It, it's something, it's like, you've really got to embrace the, like it, it, cause it's gotta be with this, it's very different as well. You're looking to train into pain. So you, you want to be working enough. That's going to be painful, but then not so much that then it, it flares everything up the next day. The next day. Yep. And the other key thing that I really want to get across people is, uh, scans are often kind of what people are, are drawn to for like objective feedback, whether or not a injury is, you know, healed or not. With tendinopathy, it's quite like your tendons will still look like they have tendinopathy once you've healed because they go through this process. So it's not about the morphology. It's not about the tendon itself. It's never going to look like a, a pretty tendon again. It's going to be, it's going to look like there's a change there, but that does not mean that you're going to be limited in functional pain. When you look at professional volleyballers, all of like something like 90% of them have tendinopathy in their in their patella like knee knee tendinopathy basically and it's only like you know 30% of them who've actually had pain in that time so yep. the change in morphology does not equal Okay, pain. so th there's two key points that Phil's just covered there. Se the second key point was what did you say before the morphology? You see, you see, <laughs> you train through pain. You got to train to pain through pain through pain. Well, you train you train to pain, and what we we use a scale. Um, you got zero to ten. Zero being z you can't feel it. Ten being that uh, you know you've been dropped you in a bat of hot oil, uh, a, a boiling oil. It's it's it, it would b basically make you pass out because it's so painful. So on the tendinopathy scale you usually say go to a three yeah, around, uh, three, around four. a three or four so you can definitely feel it, like between you know? two or four and it's kind of like your what's tolerable for you and that pain and then you kind of find that sweet spot because the next day you you feel okay is it really flared up is it like think about your baseline if your baseline's you know maybe you wake up and every day it's about a one Yep. And then the next day you wake up and it's a three or a four or a five, then you've gone too hard. You've gone too hard. If you've gone and it's still a one, maybe you've like not you've got it right. Maybe you've kind of even underloaded it. Yep. <laughs> so yep. it's really trying to, it's such a, a dance, but of trying to find that sweet spot. And then you're going to basically with, with, as we do with all the programming, it's always, you know, do a training session, have a rest day and then coming back to it yep. again. So, so there's the first two key points. Rest is, is not the right thing to do. You have to keep loading it and the load should usually be the exact thing that you did to cause it. But often if it's, if it's a pull up or a muscle up, which is a very complex movement, it's going to be extremely hard to use that mechanism to rehab. So you may have to regress back to an isolated elbow flexion or wrist uh, exercise. Okay. That's the first key. Second key is that you use pain as the measure of whether you're doing it right. 
right. So you have to train through pain, but if it's more painful the day after than it was before you started your workout, you've got it wrong. You've gone too hard. So that's very, very important. And the third key point is that morphology is not a good example of whether this injury is fixed or not, yep. because it will never look the same again. Once you've experienced tendinopathy in a tendon, the tendon remodels itself and that remodeling is pretty much permanent you know and, yeah. and what i'm saying there is that, that you're not injured permanently and it's not but and the it, morphology the image will look different permanently exactly which is just okay to understand it doesn't mean that you're weaker it doesn't mean that you're going to be limited the best athletes in the world have these changes and it's been an adaptation to the amazing amount of training they've done so yeah. like don't get in your head that you know you're now a like a damaged product like no you that's exactly <laughs> it's, right it's your body's and this is the thing with tendinopathy yeah i know we're, 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 i'm getting the wrap up uh tendinopathy is an adaptation that's just been steered in the wrong direction and we're just going to steer it back in the right direction and the adaptation's still occurring so your tendons are still thickening they're getting stronger more robust okay now let's quickly look through the comments and uh and have a look because i i love what kevin lee said down the bottom here and i think there's something that we can do for everyone that is going to be of value today. Um, uh, first of all, Barbara, interested in this, I've got a hamstring tendinopathy from training front splits. I'm not stretching anymore and focusing on strength exercises, but unsure on how much should I aggravate it. Yesterday, I did the flexibility masterclass exercises. The Jefferson Curl plus single leg good mornings really flared up the pain. For the rest of the day, I was around three to yeah. four so out of ten is, is that okay or should i dial back so think back to at the beginning when i talked about the most uh challenging of loads for a tendon and compression is one of them so if you think about with the hamstring it's i you know it's absolutely going to be the high hamstring attachment so the proximal attachment into your sit bone um and when you go into knee extension and hip flexion i.e a jefferson curl where you're bending all the way forward that's a loaded compression of that tendon that's going to be very aggravating. So I love that you're not doing, you're, you're steering clear of the stretching because again, that's going to be maximum compression if we think about that same movement again, if you go into front splits. So when you think about stretch, if strengthening though, what you can do is strengthen it in a decompressed way. So a glute bridge is a really great example of how you can do that um, and keep putting your feet further and further away from your butt and that will make it more and more hamstring and then go onto single leg and make that um, uh, and that's going to be a really nice way of progressing your strength through your hamstring in a decompressed way. And I'm sure that's going to feel a whole lot nicer for the rest of the day instead of that compressive load. Yeah, perfect. And and everything else that we've said will should be a lot of insight for you, Barbara, because yeah. we've pretty much explained exactly uh, uh, in, in what we've explained. We've answered all of your questions. Uh, okay, so um, Clay, Brenda Conway saying, I used to have tennis elbow. It doesn't bother me too much anymore, but I still deal with wrist forearm tendinopathy and yeah look as we said there's there's it's kind of like the, we, we make jokes about it being gym herpes because mm. it's it sort of lingers around uh it, it you, you just have to continually yeah. level and, up your strength you and know? as we talked about like it's it's one of those tricky things where it really takes a lot of effort to totally eradicate and sometimes pain like p people just need to reframe pain and if you're yeah. able to do all the stuff you like doing and it's like a tolerable like a little bit there then maybe yeah. it's not worth derailing all your progress yeah i yeah. don't know up That's to you right. it's, it's a personal decision whether you want you want to be a total pain eradicator or just a you know get yourself to a point where you're happy to keep training yeah so. and then also just make sure that you've done everything you can to take care of it like there are good and and, and there are good and there are great ways to rehab an issue and <clears throat> we like to think that we provide great ways because as like look look at phil's example we go deep to find out 
the mechanisms and how to fix these things, even so far as to give them purposefully to ourselves so that we can test the protocols out. Uh, which brings me to Kevin Lee's comment. Morning, guys. I've uh, got tennis elbow currently working through the forearm elbow rehab program at the moment, which is designed specifically after our experiences with golfers and tennis elbow. It's a fantastic program, and I'm so glad that Kevin has given some feedback here. Combined with the forearm trigger work with massage ball from the 18-minute mobility routine seems to be working really well. Um, and that's really, really great to hear. So just quickly on that, uh, love that you're doing the forearm thing, um, the Rehab program, excellent. Massage, useful on the mu like. I mean, it's fine on the muscle belly, so further down the forearm. But don't, don't, don't massage the actual attachment point. Yep. Don't get a trigger ball into there. Don't, yeah. And for you yeah. know, Barbara, don't <laughs> foam roll right up into that ham high hamstring attachment. Yeah. And just to be clear on that uh, as well, so just a little disclaimer, Kevin and anybody doing the 18-minute routine, when I instruct those trigger points with the massage ball, I do not go to the attachments. It and is why all the listeners out there don't do that? Compression. Yeah, well compression is just going <laughs> to aggravate it and make yeah. it feel worse. Yeah. 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 If you squash the tendon, it's going to like right on the part that's really, really um, unhappy. It's just going to make it worse. Uh, but it's really great to get that feedback in regards to the program. Um, we really are over time. Now. Okay, we yeah. Have to All right. Do this. So um, I'm going to wrap this up. So we're going to wrap this up today now, guys. We've got, uh, we, because we've had some great questions about this this week, uh, we are going to make our forearm and elbow uh, rehab program available for those of you that are dealing with this problem uh, so you can get it for a, a greatly discounted price for the next 72 hours. It's an amazing program. And as always, if you don't like it, just tell us, we'll give you a refund. Personally, and I really, I really feel strong about this. I wouldn't usually say this. This is a, this is a program that I, I, no matter what you're like, what you've experienced, I would get it and keep it in my back pocket yep. because we don't put these on, um, on sale very often, the rehab programs and the forearm tendinopathy program is something that I reckon if you're, if you take your gym training seriously, you're going to need at some point. Yeah. And, and we've had more requests for this one for so many years. I don't know why it took us so long to make it because we had so many requests but yeah yeah. It's the most popular YouTube video, isn't it? Yeah, oh, second absolutely. most. Second, 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 second most yeah, popular really YouTube video. So yeah, for anyone who's serious about their gym training, it's like where I'm a I used to be a mechanic, you know, and you want to just continually add to your toolbox so that mm. when you need the tool, it's there ready to go. Be great I addition. would be adding this one to my toolbox. It's uh, it's an absolute. Yeah. And even cracker. if you don't, even if you don't have uh, tendinopathy, if you are going to get serious about doing strength training with your upper body. The exercises that we do in this program are a really great way to prehabilitate your body and yeah. to prevent yourself from yeah, getting absolutely. it. You know, absolutely. Absolutely. That's about that muscles. bulletproofing. And yeah. for all of you in the UMS, move, uh, uh, UMS online coaching group, please just don't go and buy the program. You have it for free. Yeah, it's, it's included. Part of the, it's part, of, part your of your subscription. Speaking of online coaching, is it? Let's do it. Let's go. We've got to go. We'll, yeah, we're doing it yes, right now. We're, we're doing it right now. Late. We're late for the online coaching. So we'll see, see you all over in the UMS group health is about performance not just body image you better be willing to accept what you're gonna have to do to get there we'll start focusing on movement goals strength goals flexibility goals. When you nail that skill it's there forever the body image goal doesn't get you that it's far. the consistency and frequency that's gonna get you there it's not the intensity there's no shortcuts to mastery and movement. Destination doesn't change overnight, but your direction will. The gym is not the place to beat up the body that you hate. It's the place to build the body that you love. We are the gym that teaches people how to move instead of just exercise because we believe that health is about performance, not just body image.